Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Kem Finley, the president and CEO of the Putnam Museum, about their current exhibit, Race, Are We So Different? Welcome, Kem. Thank you. The Putnam has a very thought-provoking exhibit up currently. What are the aims or goals of this show? Well, I think in a way you just stated one of them, and that's provoking thought. But we want to go beyond that. I really would love to see people engaging in positive discussion about the topic of race. I think that in my lifetime, I don't know that I've seen race be so prevalent in our media and so charged um, since probably the late 60s when I was not all that very old as it is today. And it seems as though it's difficult in a 24-7 instantaneous news world to have a thoughtful discussion about race. It's a difficult topic for people to bring up. There's some feeling of, will I say the wrong thing? Will I use the wrong terms? Will I unintentionally insult someone? And so we don't talk about it. And the less we talk about it, it seems, the more prevalent it becomes in our day-to-day news world coming across our phones and our televisions and our laptops. Um, and there's, this is such a timely exhibit because of all those things that you just mentioned. Um, and there really are some important messages that, that, you, that you see that you're faced with as you walk through. And, and the first is really that race is a, is a recent human invention. It's an invention that's not backed up by science. That's correct. So the exhibit is, has three facets, and that's the science of race, the history of race, which both of those things you're talking about, Carolyn, and the lived experience of race. So the exhibit will take you back in time to just really a few hundred years ago when the idea of race being based on skin color started to emerge. And it emerged um, in the colonies, and it had to do with the slave trade. So in the mid-1600s, people were being brought to the United States, both dark-skinned people and light-skinned people, for indentured servitude. And over a relatively short period of time, indentured servitude for light-skinned people meant that they had a contract term which they had to serve, and then they were free. And for dark-skinned people, started to mean that you were forever indentured or otherwise enslaved. And there's then science, pseudoscience, started to emerge based on skull size and different ways of white men at the time um, being able to explain how, as Christians, it was all right to enslave other people. 
And the way that they did that was to try to differentiate between skin color by saying that people of dark skin were not as human. Therefore, biblically, it would be okay for me to enslave them. And what we find looking back on that pseudoscience was there were, it was so flawed that in the skull research, um, if there were skulls that didn't fit what the scientist wanted to prove, he simply discarded those. Those weren't included in the... Uh, and then from generation to generation, this folklore really got handed down um, so that it became embedded that there was this difference in intelligence and physical uh, ability. So I've said since the exhibit came, would we separate people based upon the biology or the genetics of our fingernails? So if I have hard fingernails that can slip cardboard and you have flimsy peeling fingernails, then you must be a person who's predisposed towards math. And I must be a person who is predisposed towards having great dancing ability. Well, people laugh when I say this because that's ridiculous. But skin color is about the same in terms it, of being able to differentiate the abilities or aptitudes of people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's amazing when you walk through your exhibit that, that it spells it out so clearly. Uh, and I love the fact that that science immediately kind of um, debunks the, those popular misperceptions about mm-hmm. race because um, because you know you'd mentioned um, um, these kind of pseudo scientific studies looking at things like differences in skull size. Well, there's um, there's no skeletal skeletal marker of race, mm-hmm. and there really is no or there are no genetic differences either, which is so interesting. So there isn't any biological evidence that supports these these racial categories. For example, it will it will talk about in the lived experience it goes into health. And I think there's a wide belief that sickle cell disease or sickle cell anemia is um, a disease of dark skinned people, particularly Africans or African Americans. Uh, that's not the case. It has it has a direct correlation to malaria. So in places where malaria can be prevalent, that's where you find sickle cell. And most people, well, we have hosts on the weekends for the exhibit because some people may have questions they'd like to ask and some people may want a place to sit down and reflect. It can be a pretty emotional experience, this exhibit, because you're learning things sometimes that debunk what you've been told by your parents or your grandparents, you know, we're authority figures in your life when you're a child. And that can be a little startling. But a woman who went through, she was in for about two hours, at the end told the host, I'm 85 years old, and I have learned so much today. So the Putnam always believes that one of our missions, one of our purposes in the community is to is lifelong learning. And so how do we learn? We absorb information, and then many of us want to discuss and talk about that information with other folks. So we've set up something called discussion circles. And if you wish to come with a group, whether it's your book group, your church group, your 
colleagues at work because race at work is also a touchy, difficult topic. Um, and Estes Company is sponsoring these discussion circles. You can book ahead to have a facilitator. So you go through the exhibit for an hour and then you have an hour of discussion to talk about what you have seen, heard, felt, thought, um, and maybe that begins further discussion, which is one of the goals for the Putnam. And it aligns with our Q2030 vision for the community in equity and inclusion to begin to question our long-held beliefs or reinforce some of our beliefs um, if you're a person who has just innately never felt that attributes based on skin color made any sense. I'm kind of like that. I never understood that idea. Skin color is more about migration over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. As humans came out of Africa, some of us went north, some of us went south. The further we got from the equator, generally, the lighter our skin became as thousands of years went by. It was not needed to protect us from UV rays. And so, because we didn't have as much of that. Unless, like, well, so how do you explain that um, native, uh, far North American, Aleutian Islanders, that sort of thing... Why do they have darker skin? Or people who live in Mongolia has more to do with the way the sun bounces off the snow, and the snow was constant, so it still was about sunlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's really clearly spelled out here, which I, which I love. Um, the genetic differences also among races um, are small com compared to the genetic diversity within members. Of a single race, if you'll—it's mm -hmm. kind of hard mm -hmm. to even call it a race anymore. So it, it's really it is. about. I have trouble using that uh, word now. Yeah, yeah, I do too. It's um, it's it's uh, and 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 that and that word you want to discard after spending, um, you know, even a half hour probably in that exhibit. <laughs> it's it's really powerful, um, you know. Once you walk through the 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 scientific portion, which is probably in a, a third or so of the exhibit, mm -hmm. you you kind of move into this middle um, part of the exhibit where the legacy of the laws and actions against mm. specific groups of individuals mm. in the U.S. Is, is also covered. And it starts with the Native Americans, but includes Asians and all people right. of color. And the list of specific legal cases um, is, is really quite eye-opening. How, how have people responded to this portion of your exhibit? Well, we have at the Putnam done several exhibits leading up to this over the last decade, Mi Casa Nueva, uh, that was an exhibit specifically about Mexican immigrants to our community, the Quad Cities. And you find that um, back in the day when the railroads were prevalent, the Rock of the Lines, the railroads went down to the border of, of Texas and Mexico and recruited Mexicans to come across the border and live and work in the United States. So very much different from what we're finding today and all the legal issues that are being faced today. And it's um, worth long discussion to me to talk about how we have changed and the laws that we have instituted 
and the beliefs that are being uh, discussed um, from recruiting people to come into this country and work and be a part of the economy here to talking about excluding people as often as we can as a country. Why has that changed so dramatically from one generation to a few generations forward? There are certainly, as I imagine we're all aware, um, laws about segregation and the Jim Crow era and where are we today I think that um, we had a community team, very strong community team that worked for months before bringing the exhibit here. And I think that all of us, and um, we were a wide variety of skin color, see, I don't want to say race. Uh, <laughs> um, and our ancestors had a variety of uh, countries of origin. We would love to see people of different origin having discussion, open discussion about the impacts of those laws that still are here today and the discussions that are going on about voter registration mm -hmm. is a great example yeah. of laws that are being attempted, changes that are being made from state to state and Questions about what is the basis for that? Well, it's it's based on it's based on the purposes of the of the majority of the uh, the the drive and desires of the majority of the population, um, and it's 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 very ugly. It's a very dark part of our history, uh, and it's happening right now. It's not yes. just something that's historical. It's happening right now, like the repeal of affirmative action. Um, that I kind of think about that as well. Um, and, you know, those laws were set up to try to correct in part the legal barriers that um, people of color have always struggled with in our in our community. Um, I was really surprised. You know, we, we know so much about the African-American experience and we need to focus on that. But there's so many other stories that there's there was this Chinese Exclusion Act in 1882 that I didn't mm -hmm. know about until I mm -hmm. saw your exhibit uh, where Chinese workers were barred from entry and excluded from citizenship and that that wasn't reversed until the middle part of the 20th century and you know the Japanese internment after World War II we all we think about as well well we found when we did an exhibit called images of the floating world that many 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 people in the Midwest had no idea that there was such a thing as Japanese internment during World War II um, we have uh, Janet Masamoto a local business owner who shared her story at that time um, very humbly uh, about having been interned with her parents and her sister when she was a child. Um, their family had a business in California. Uh, her parents were born in the United States. And when the internment was um, decided that that was going to be the way Japanese Americans were going to be treated during World War II, Jan and her sister and her parents were taken to first to the Santa Anita racetrack and housed in, in uh, horse stalls and then to post in Arizona in an internment camp. 
And her cousin has written a book called Only What They Could Carry, because you could take one suitcase. So they lost their business, their home. Um, That's one of the fascinating things to me in the history of how we've treated people of different skin colors. And that is we take away rights, privileges, opportunities, and then we uh, speak negatively about people typically with darker skin because they don't have the education uh, that white Americans have. Well, when you make it virtually impossible for people to have that type of education and then frown upon them because they don't have the level of education that you have. Um, how do you ever get out of that? Yeah, it's impossible. And it's, you know, there's this blindness that, that, that white Americans have right now. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's somewhat, it's somewhat easier to look at a person from color of color and, and to acknowledge or recognize how they are being discriminated against, but it's, it's more difficult to recognize how in, how your own life has been made easier because of your race. Um, and this incur- exhibit of yours really encourages um, in- introspection. We need to take a, a deep you know, inward look. Without blaming, I think, um, this is one of the very toughest parts of having discussions about race, I believe. I mean, here we sit, two white women, talking about this exhibit. Uh, I said to the community team when we began... What do I know? I have not lived this experience of discriminatory practices or casual references that are potentially hurtful. I've tried to be cognizant of of those things, and yet I'm a pretty informal person. So care about language... um, not my top aspect of who I am. So it's important, I think, and as I said, there are spots set aside in the exhibit to just sit down and think for a minute about what you're taking in. It's a very content-rich exhibit, and so you will. there's a lot to read. There's a lot of video there's a lot to wrap your mind around in the history, the science, and the lived experience. Mm-hmm. There really is. When you were just mentioning that, the lived experience, one part that really struck me was the the discussion about hypertension, high blood pressure mm. in African Americans, how it's not felt to be genetic so much as it is a response to chronic stress. Mm. And that made me so sad stress in terms of um, daily treatment, stress in terms of poor, um, wor- you know, worse living conditions, uh, stress because of poverty, mm. the, you know, the the insidious effect of, of poverty. It really can't be underestimated. And the laws and rules and regulations that were set up early in our country really, you know, c- created that. Um, so it's, it's, it's important for us to, 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 to reflect on this. Um, you know, as you continue through the exhibit, you, you are faced with these very concrete social problems like housing, 
education and health. And I think that's the part where I, um, I saw the, 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 the portion that talked about hypertension. And, right. and th- those really are measurable outcomes. Um, you know, as a viewer, you, you're given stark statistics about, about, um, about our own community, things like home ownership in the Quad Cities. You had a portion of the exhibit on that, and that was fascinating. Right. Um, Bi-State Regional Commission was very helpful to us in, in matters of, of data, statistics, uh, localizing aspects of the lived experience portion of the exhibit. And it's not that the Putnam is drawing conclusions or putting that in front of you. It's putting raw data in front of you. And your conclusions from that data are yours. Oftentimes, I think that when we talk about race, opinion, long-held beliefs, um, not wanting to feel guilty. Uh, Sometimes white people of our generation feel like, I haven't personally done these offensive or, uh, I hate to use the word, but damaging things. That happened generations ago or a generation ago. Um, So we prefer not to look deeply into where we are today. Mm-hmm. But those statistics that you show make us do that because it points out in the quad cities between all of our communities where um, where we live and and you can see the percentage of each city and how many, what percentage is white, what percentage is, is African American descent, what, what percentage is, is Asian and so forth. And, and the um, home ownership was really, really phenomenal to see. I mean, it really kind of stopped me short when I, when I saw that. It's hard to ignore. And um, somewhere in the exhibit, there was a line that said, race is a short word with a long history mm-hmm. in the U.S. And that really was underscored there. So true. Right. And you said something about timeliness of this exhibit. And the exhibit's been touring the United States for 10 years. It's been at the Smithsonian. It is a very well-researched, very well-documented exhibit created by the American Anthropological Association. And I spoke to uh, Yolanda Moss, and Dr. Moss talked about the purpose for the creation of the exhibit 10 years ago, and that was that anthropologists have guilt. Um, They feel guilt for pseudoscience that they backed up and distributed generations ago, And they wanted to educate. She talked a lot about this exhibit being really about education. And the exhibit is part of a larger project. There is a book called Race, Are We So Different?, which we have for sale at the museum store. There's a website. I think you've visited the Mm -hmm. website. They intended to stop traveling this exhibit two years ago. And we at the Putnam had been trying to get this exhibit for four or five years. And I had to realize that that was never going to happen. And they were going to install it permanently, sell it to someone and install it permanently. And that sale fell through. And we got a call saying, if you still want it, uh, you can get it. And for some folks, it's like, well, the Putnam uh, brought the exhibit specifically because this topic is hot right now. Um, 
No, we had been looking at it for quite some time. But there is a difference in hosting it today and hosting it five years ago when people were actually talking about a post-racial America. Well, I don't think we're there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean, sadly, we're just not there yet. (laughs) Evidence would uh, show, uh, based on data that you described and daily commentary, um, that we are not. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of people felt like uh, with with Obama's, um, President Obama's first election in 2008, that we had... um, perhaps moved forward but um but sadly we have not and so that's why that's why these conversations this discussion is is really important and you know while the exhibit is open to people of all ages it's it certainly seems ideal to students and younger adults it's a very interactive experience and it's important to to cater to that age um to try to expose them to those ideas before um before they hear otherwise well, fortunately, the Putnam sees about 35,000 school children and teachers every year. So this exhibit does not have an additional charge beyond entrance to the museum. And for students, we make that as affordable as possible. So, yes, there will be a large number of students who will experience the exhibit. We also know that one of our districts plans to bring all of their teachers on an in-service day. Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. And there are these notebooks that um, that I love that the students have filled out uh, where they're asked various questions and they can kind of sit down and write down their own thoughts and feelings. And some of them are really super emotional. One of them is, can you talk to your friends about race? And then these school kids write down their, their own personal experiences. Right. Um, this is something we started doing at the Putnam quite some time ago, and that is giving the audience, the visitor, the guest, the opportunity to share their reflections on aspects or aspects of or entire exhibits that are really intended to make us think and evoke from us the ideas. We, it's in our mission, it's in our articles of incorporation to generate ideas and generate discussion. And I think this exhibit um, probably does it as well or better than any we've had. I also want to say that on the website, there's a family experience guide. So we always have education guides for teachers. This one is specifically for families to come to the exhibit and how to take it in, uh, how to discuss it with your children. Because even if it's not being discussed with children. And I think that, you know, depending on the maturity level of the child, we are probably talking about 10 years old and up for the most part. Um, To have these discussions with your children because they're hearing it, they're seeing the same types of things that we're seeing on the news almost daily, and it can be quite distressing. But if we as adults don't know how to have these discussions... How well can children have them, and or young adults? So, uh, coming up, we have an an event called Words in Motion, which is spoken word and dance that's interpretive, uh, 
around this topic of race. And I would be willing to venture that most all of the performers, if not all, are teens into younger adults who will be um, putting their interpretations on display for all of us. And I think that their goal is similar, to express themselves, yes, but also to provoke thought and conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like there are so many different ways to to experience this. Obviously, going through as an individual, I love that idea of families being able to have sounds like somewhat of a curriculum or a organized way to go through it. And then and then lastly, the fact that you offer facilitated discussions is is great. I can see businesses who would really benefit from that. Um, and you had mentioned uh, a school district bringing all their school mm-hmm. teachers in, but you know, book clubs or mm-hmm. um, any other any other place where we um, where we uh, um, where we need to have those those conversations. Church groups is mm-hmm. another one that I think would would benefit greatly, um, and have very good discussion. Uh, in my idealistic world. Um, Churches of different faiths and churches attended by predominantly people of different origin and skin color might come to the exhibit together. Hmm. Um, I think that would be very enlightening. And, so and almost like a pairing than yes. a church. Yeah, right. I think that's a great idea. Right. Uh, get to know mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. You may be worshiping within three blocks of each other. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, have completely different circles, people yeah, that you not interact spending with. spending time together, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I also saw there was an opportunity to share family ancestry information mm. with a new Ancestry Map project. Right, right, how, right. how does that work? Well, this is sponsored by Grupo, and this is the, the World Ancestry Map. And the intention here is, first of all, to capture everyone's great interest these days in finding your roots as uh, the PBS program describes it. So if you've done one of the Ancestry kits, um, 23andMe or uh, Ancestry.com, and you've received your results, all we'd like you to do is bring in your results, just the part that shows the percentage of where your ancestors come from, and then we take a photo of you uh, right at that moment, and we, uh, you're a you're a circular uh, you're a two inch circle, uh, your face, <laughs> and we put you on a twenty four foot wide world map, and then we draw lines from your lineage uh, through you to where you wound up in the Quad Cities. Well, Kim Finley, thank you so much for talking today and for the Putnam's role in encouraging this important conversation within our community. Thank you so much. The exhibit, Race, Are We So Different?, can be seen at the Putnam Museum in Davenport through Memorial Day. The Putnam is open Monday through Saturday from 10 to 5 and on Sundays from noon until 5. The cost of admission is $9 for adults and $8 for youth, military, seniors, and college students. So come with open eyes and an open heart. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.